0: Few aspects of the supply chain are as crucial as that of procurement, and few problems are as serious as that of procurement fraud. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Top executives would never deny the importance of procurement to their organizations. But for the most part, their focus has been on cutting the cost of raw materials, goods, and services. They paid less attention to preventing fraud, which has been called a devastating example of the lack of due diligence and oversight, which occurs when businesses fail to impose and exact the same levels of scrutiny at every stage of the supply chain. Those are the words of David Noble, CEO of the Chartered Institute of Procurement and Supply. They're quoted in a recent article by my guest today, Tanya Siri, founder of Procurious, whose recent Big Ideas Summit tackled this very topic. Today, she talks about the seriousness of the fraud problem, what forms it most commonly takes, and how it can be prevented. We discuss such questions as the need for licensing procurement professionals, whether we're investing enough in the training and development of those individuals, and just how companies can create a culture that discourages bribery and other types of procurement fraud. So here is my conversation with Tanya Siri. Well, Tanya Siri, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Bob.
0: We're going to be talking about procurement fraud today. What are the most common types of procurement fraud that you see out there right now?
1: Well, I think we've had a, a few um, high profile examples of where individuals buried fairly deep in an organization are taking payments for um, conducting favorable activities for specific suppliers. But I guess you could extend as far if you wanted to define fraud as anyone uh, in the supply chain who is doing something that's outside of the policies of their organization.
0: Is it more common in large or small organizations or is there no pattern there?
1: I don't think there's any pattern there and I uh, think it's quite interesting when you think that really any organisation is a subset of the community and any uh, town is going to have uh, that has 20,000 people in its population is going to have a jail so we shouldn't be too worried that uh, it's specific to an organisation. Really it's a numbers game and there's going to be people that are doing the right, wrong thing, well also the right thing in the organizations, just as there are people doing the right and the wrong thing in the community.
0: Because when you said these are individuals sometimes buried deep in the organization, it makes me think that a larger organization, we might find this a more common practice because it's easier to hide. Not necessarily the case?
1: I wouldn't think so. I mean, during my 15 years in procurement, I've seen a people both in large and small organisations involved in these type of activities. I think where there's a will, there's a way. And people who are determined to do the wrong thing will be determined. I think the important thing to focus on is what are the checks and balances and the culture that companies that current can create to actually um, call these individuals out as well as create a culture where it's very clear that that type of behaviour isn't acceptable.
0: Okay, I definitely do want to get to those solutions in a moment, but first I still want to lay a little bit more groundwork here. When we talk about procurement fraud and the most common examples of it, procurement of what exactly?
1: Well, procurement is all the goods and services that a company can purchase for operation of its business. Is that what you're talking about, Bob? Well, is, I'm, asking,
0: I'm asking in terms of what might be the most where, – where fraud is most prevalent. If you've seen any patterns like the procurement of particular types of goods or services where we might find fraud more common, or is that not necessarily the case that, that it falls that way?
1: No, that's right. It it can be in many different forms. I mean, it can obviously be some sort of, um, rebate or or payment to an individual for making a sourcing decision. And it may not even be some sort of financial reward. There may be some sort of um, benefit that is attributed to that individual. And I guess that's where it starts to get a little bit grey is where, you know, if a supplier is offering you tickets to the football, is, is that a bribe? Is that fraud? Or if they're depositing $50,000 into your bank account for making a decision to go with them, you know, I guess most of us would say that definitely is fraud. And I think that's where today's procurement professional is fairly black and white on these issues because they cannot be seen to be influenced by suppliers. So in general, you know, anything uh, changes by company, but $30, $50, anything greater than that that a procurement professional receives from a supplier has to be documented and uh, made transparent.
0: But, again, just, just in terms of, like, there's so many things that fall under the category of procurement, uh, transportation procurement, materials, raw materials, services, equipment. That's right. Um, I mean, so and, – and you're saying that there's no particular one of those areas where procurement fraud might be most prevalent. It really is, in your mind, across the board in terms of all those different types of stuff, right?
1: I think if we were able to document this, and I don't believe there has been anything documented, I think the actual most frequent type of uh, fraud would be where someone in an organisation is actually redirecting funds to their own personal bank account. And you know, I've certainly had examples of that where someone who's somewhere in the uh, accounts payable supply chain redirects uh, a payment to a supplier to their own personal bank account. So that's a different fraud again, but I I have a feeling that would be the highest financial value fraud that um, Mm -hmm. is experienced in large companies.
0: Again, in an attempt to kind of parse this, if at all possible, and I think the answer keeps coming back that maybe it's not possible to do that, types of industries – High tech, uh, CPG, apparel, uh, manufacturing, process industries, among all those different industries that all have various forms of procurement. Again, not possible to specify whether any one of those is most open to procurement fraud or, or not.
1: No, I don't believe it is. I think where you've got individuals you know, and there's an opportunity, people will uh, take advantage of the system. Have you seen
0: any figures out there that attempt to quantify the cost to industry of procurement fraud that kind of help to quantify the impact?
1: No, I haven't. But I actually think that it's something that as a profession we should sponsor. I I might actually uh, talk to some people about initiating that.
0: Because you cite in this article about a case Coca-Cola Amatil in Australia. That's half a million dollars in Australian dollars just in that one incident alone. It's got to be in the billions, I would think, in a, in a larger sense, although I guess we just have no way of knowing at this point.
1: Well, that's right. And, of course, a lot of these things are settled um, behind the scenes. Uh, Not all these cases obviously see the light of day because they are between individuals and large organisations and there's some sort of agreement done to protect the individual so that they can perhaps move on with their life and it can be quite embarrassing for large companies who have actually invested a lot of money in trying to make sure that their compliance is up to scratch and and these things happen. I think in that particular Coca-Cola case in Australia, The company actually went to the authorities, so they were actually the ones who went and, um, you know, followed the process rather than being caught out themselves and I think that's always admirable but I think there'd be a lot more, there's certainly a lot of companies where this type of activity doesn't become uh, transparent.
0: I would have to assume that since there was something called procurement, there was procurement fraud. It must have been there from the beginning. But I'm wondering if in your mind you see it in any way getting worse, maybe because of the globalization of supply uh, supply chains, the lengthening of supply lines, the growing complexity of supply chains. Do you think the problem is worse today?
1: Well, certainly the amount of spend under management for procurement has e- increased you're right and the globalization has increased there are you know now four five six tiers in the supply chain which raises all these issues of uh, compliance quality assurance a lot of these supply chain disruption issues we're seeing is by companies you know grappling with um, the extent of their supply chain so I think absolutely and I think some countries where facilitation payments as we would like to call them uh, are quite Prevalent, or even bribery. If you aren't part of a large company and not aware of the laws, it could be quite easy to believe that um, this is just the way of doing business. A bit of a for young players, but um, yes. Yeah, so I think absolutely the complexity, the increasing amount of uh, spend under management, is making it more uh, complex for people to manage and have the transparency they'd like. One thing that I'm concerned about over the last decade and once again I don't have anything to quantify this, is you know, are these large companies investing enough to make sure that Everyone in the organisation is aware of some of the risks in these extended supply chains. Cost consciousness is like a double-edged sword. We're trying to reduce costs by extending into these low-cost countries. But on the other side, are we investing in our people to make sure they're aware of Of some of the risks, and that they understand the compliance issues and that they are aware that they are part of a broader cost conscious culture um, and and I think that's something that we really do need to stop and think about is that you know are we educating our people like we used to on the risks? Um, and, and making sure that there's a culture that surrounds these people who might be at risk of, of uh, taking the easy way out or of, of committing fraud, that they know that it's absolutely not accepted in their organization.
0: Well, you might have partially answered my next question, but I'd like you to address it in a little bit more depth, and that is how can procurement fraud be detected?
1: Well, as you know, our good friends, the auditors, are always um, close at hand, and I think that 's usually how most of these uh, cases are identified. but you know it it also becomes obvious to people working around uh, some of these individuals, obviously changes in lifestyle or unusual behavior Someone goes on holidays, the old classic you know the person who's committing the fraud goes on holidays and Um, there's an issue or something becomes apparent. So I think it's usually our good friends, the auditors, or actually their peers who, um, you know, end up detecting this. I know our professional association, the Chartered Institute, is really, of purchasing and supply, really pushing hard to have the profession licensed. There's certainly an initiative that uh, could go a long way to making sure at least people in the profession are aware of the proper codes of conduct.
0: So at this point, there's no international or even national licensing or certification type of standard for procurement professionals?
1: No, there's certainly education that can take place both in the U.S. and in the U.K., but not an official licensing like we would have for an accountant, say, where there's um, continuing professional development or some sort of requirement for them to to do that. I'm not sure of what the situation is with the ISM in the U.S., um, but yeah, no. Institute of
0: Supply Management.
1: That's
0: right. Okay, but let's say we license the procurement professional. That makes a lot of sense in, in a way. But you need someone over looking over the shoulder of the procurement professional as well, because it might be that procurement professional, licensed or not, who might be committing the fraud. So there's well, got to be another right. level of of detection going on somewhere above that that you know that the licensing issue might not necessarily solve, right?
1: That's right. I think the licensing, you know, of the profession is really just a baseload. That's, that's sort of your basic requirement. But when you think about it, there's so many people in an organisation who are managing suppliers and, and, um, you know, appointing suppliers, managing them on a day to day basis. It's rarely the sole Uh, requirement of the procurement professional to be doing that so this is why I get back to my point of creating a cost-conscious culture and a culture in in an organization that's aware of all these commercial issues because really so many people are touching um, the supply base and they all need to be aware of what appropriate behaviors and what isn't.
0: Okay before we talk a little bit more about the culture I want to talk very briefly about technology Does technology help or hinder? Does it prevent or enable fraud? And what are some technological solutions, if any, that can help to address this issue?
1: Well, I think that, um, once again, I'd go back to um, human nature, where there's a will, there's a way. But I think to a certain degree particularly in the case where I'm talking about funds being diverted into someone's uh, bank account, Um, technology is obviously an enabler of that. And so many of our um, accounts payable processes these days are automated that it does make it a lot easier. But similarly with the auditing process, if there are anomalies, they are more detected through technology. So once again, double-edged sword. I think that a lot of Companies are today still worried about issuing sort of procurement cards or credit cards to their employees and, and that always makes me wonder because I think that actually the more that spend is documented, the more that you have a paper trail and a way of identifying where, you know, the money flows are heading. So I'm actually a big proponent of, of uh, commercial cards or P cards, if you like. So yeah, I, I think it's you know once again a double edged sword. It is a facilitator, but it's also a way to audit um, these activities. It
0: does seem like we see, and maybe this is in the larger organisations more. I don't know, but it does seem like we do see a, a more of a formalisation of supplier relationship management, the creation of core supplier. Uh, Lists And an attempt to enforce procurement discipline based on those core lists, that to me seems like that would make it more difficult to commit procurement fraud. So is that helping companies to get their arms around this?
1: Yeah, I mean, supply relationship management is something that, um, you know, is core to what today's procurement professional does, but I don't know if it is going to help this situation because essentially what, um, as we call it SRM, supply relationship management, is a very high level plan for how large companies interact with their suppliers and covers off you know, the the products they're going to look at innovating and developing together, um, the types of benefits they're going to deliver to the organisation. So it's very much a, a strategic plan for where the two organisations are going. And from that falls, you know, thousands and thousands of transactions with groups around the world different assets so at the end of the day how that relationship cascades down to the asset level or the country level there's still a lot of room to move and there's a lot of transactions to flow from that and i think the modern procurement professionals recognizing they can't control every single thing in an organization and and that's why the srm uh is, is more of a strategic thing and uh it, the executions left to the uh, the local level. So the answer, Bob, sorry to that is no. I don't think it's going to solve this.
0: Well, that's not a very uh, heartening, heartening answer. But I guess, it, I guess if it's the truth, it's, we have to deal with it.
1: And then, of course, as you
0: pointed out earlier, this idea of the multi-tier supply chain can go up half a dozen different tiers, and it's hard enough to even get communication with with multi-tier suppliers just on a day-to-day basis let alone detect any kind of fraud that might be going underneath there so doesn't that just compound the problem
1: yeah yes it does and you know transparency is a key challenge um today because your third tier supplier would have a component supplier who would have a component supplier and how they're interacting with each other who could know. Obviously a bit of a threat but also an opportunity and, and I guess with this we're not just talking about fraud with those issues, we're talking about a whole range of issues, health and safety, human rights uh, quality, product quality. Um, so you know, it's an exciting time uh, in the life of a procurement professional. There's no doubt about it, and I think that's that's a great opportunity for this profession and anyone else in a commercial role in these large companies. is It's such an exciting place to be. Procurement today is touching on so many different issues, and that means we need the best and the brightest in in the profession and And to lead a lot of these teams, like you said, who who's who's got the oversight of this? We need really smart people who can think dynamically. The market's changing every every second of the day, and they have to be able to influence these large large companies and get them doing the right thing. And and that that takes a certain skill set, and I think that's that's the exciting opportunity for everyone. Yeah,
0: you say that in your paper, too. You say the need for the right skills and qualifications. You talk about specialist training, and this does kind of address that issue of corporate culture. I wondered if you could be any more specific about what some of those skills actually are, what, what is involved in the training, and what do you mean by a more professional approach to this whole issue?
1: Well I think at the vocational level we need people to be licensed and know the basics of what, uh, you know, of, of what good looks like, if you like, for the procurement profession. But above that, um, we need people who have commercial skills. That is that they can, when they see a problem, they see an opportunity and can have the right conversations with their supply base and within their own company. When you look at large organisations, there's not that many roles or um functions if you like that truly have a 360 degree view of the world. I remember talking to a CFO once and he, you know, his job prior to that was a financial controller and um, he said to me, you know what Becoming a CFO requires a whole different skill set to being a financial controller. He said, I never have to talk to the market. You know, they never have to talk externally. And when you think about HR, they never have to really talk externally. Sometimes the lawyers do, but usually their function is inward focused, inwardly focused. Whereas procurement really is in a unique vantage point of constantly talking to the external supply base but now also there's all these community issues um, how the suppliers are um, you know who they're employing what sort of impact what people are buying have on them they're also working with the suppliers on what's the next opportunities for their business in terms of new product development. So they're really at that interface now between the top line and the bottom line and I think there aren't many uh, functions in the organisation who have that, that vantage point. But we need people who can actually act on the information that they're gathering and, and turn it into competitive advantage for their organisations.
0: And would you not argue that in terms of senior management's attitude toward procurement, it has to go beyond what it's basically been in a lot of companies up to now? And that is, how much money are you saving this this year? You know, uh, basically, that's all procurement is to some senior managers: is how cheap can we get these products, and how much can you save me? Eat? You know, how how can you knock ten percent off this year because we we just need to do that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is one of the things we debated at the Procurious Big Ideas Summit in London two weeks ago was at what point is driving costs down actually a detriment to your organisation and what's that tipping point where you actually start to miss out on the innovation opportunities. And I think that's, once again, the decision that a lot of these leaders have to make is, you know, what's the trade-off here and what are the risks? Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's the big thing with these extended supply chains as well as, you know, what is the risk here? Have we got the transparency we need? Because there's been some spectacular examples, haven't there, of major brand equity um, hits. For companies that have had these uh, supply chain scandals, so I think once bidden, twice shy, CEOs are now realising these are very important um, issues, and that they do need the smartest people leading these uh, the supply chain and the procurement um, organisations.
0: So diligence throughout the organization from top to bottom, a new level of professionalism and skill, just paying more attention to procurement is something more than just a cost-cutting exercise. That sounds like some really good advice, some uh, good big ideas that came out of your Big (laughs) Ideas Summit, right, Tanya?
1: Well, that's right, Bob, and we'll need your big ideas next year. You'll have to come over and contribute.
0: I would love to. Okay. Well, Tanya Siri, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us to talk about this issue of procurement fraud. It's been some very valuable advice. Thanks very much for being with us. Thank you. That was my conversation with Tanya of Procurious, talking about the problem of procurement fraud. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com